0: Yo yo yo. What's going on? Welcome to episode 14. Have they been there, done that podcast? We got a good episode for you today. And I am ready to get it going right now. Let's just jump right in. Here's what we're gonna talk about today. Number one, we're gonna talk about what 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 my plans are for the podcast moving forward. Because time is actually kinda running a little a little short here before I get going for the summer. And I won't have the same schedule I do now. I'll be a lot busier for the rest of the summer. So things might look a little different. We'll talk about what that might look like. Um, There is a major Chiefs update that you're going to want to know about. It is big news out of Kansas City and a move that I think if, if you weren't already sold on the Chiefs being a dynasty, well, you will be now. So stick around for that. We will talk about this week in the MLB, some highlights, uh, what's going on around the league. Then we will break down a little bit about the NBA playoffs. We'll talk about what's been going on. And I also want to do a little bit of a dive into why the NBA is struggling just in general. What's been going on, um, why they're losing viewers and fans, and what's, what's causing that. And then, of course, we will wrap it up with the office quote of the week. So without further ado, let us begin, starting, of course, with the plans for the podcast. Um, now, before I, I jump into that, I, I do want to mention again, these. Uh, we're in a few days now, which I'm definitely looking at as the calm before the storm, where uh, there's going to be so much going on the next couple weeks, and... It's going to be a lot of fun, but boy, am I going to be busy. I'm going to wear myself out just in time to go to camp and wear myself out again. It's going to be awesome. But no, we uh, this Friday we got a fundraising event. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of work. But then next week we have a regional retreat. I'm heading up to Northwest Arkansas in the Rogers area. And so next Wednesday and Thursday. And normally Wednesday is when I record. And so I'm going to try to get recorded a little bit earlier and, and post something. Hopefully, um, by by next Wednesday, TBD on that, um, and then, yeah, next Saturday, going out of town again, back to Branson for our day in Branson trip with our middle schoolers, really pumped about that, it's going to be a lot of fun, I just hope it doesn't rain, because we got stuff planned outside, like Silver Dollar City, and stuff within camp at Canuck, and we uh, we're counting on the outdoors to be available, so... Hopefully it doesn't rain, um, and then a week after that we have our barn dance on Saturday evening, which is going to be a lot of fun. But it's just a lot, to, a lot of stuff going on, a lot of events and different things to keep up with. The next, I mean, I guess basically a little over two weeks, two and a half weeks. Um, things are going to be wild, but I'm looking forward to it. And that's what's going on with me. And then, with that being said like 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 I mentioned I'm going to be working at camp again this summer and for anyone listening that's worked at camp or you know of what camp schedules like uh, there's just not exactly how do I put it off time you know I mean I say that we'll have I'll have a couple days off here and there but sometimes in that in in those days off I don't have any any really any choice but to become a a turtle in my shell and unplug from the world <laughs> for the day you know because because camp as it is amazing it's my favorite place in the world to just to live but it, it's like you just go 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 and you're going constantly from at least for my camp days it's wake up usually 5 30 or 6 and just run and just go all day until sometimes after 9 9 30 you know so very full days which i love i love them i really do but it's exhausting so I'll have a few off days in the summer and I don't know what those are gonna look like yet I may try to give some some content here and there throughout um, I don't expect however there to be weekly uploads throughout the summer unfortunately um, but that's just part of the deal and so hopefully I'll get it I'll be able to get some stuff posted um some content out if any big big news comes out um, but summer will be a little bit slower in terms of content being released so um, you can look forward to once summer's done back in, in kind of mid-August, mid-late August is when we'll probably start to get get things rolling again. Um, but just to put it on your radar, put it on your horizon of of what to expect here in the near future because mid-early May is probably when, when that is going to get going. Once I get going with staff training, it's going to be all gas, no brakes until August. So I'm looking forward to it. And, of course, if you ever – have questions? You, you can hit me up anytime, you know, and we can talk about what's going on. I'm a I'm an open book when it comes to talking about sports. I'm happy to to dialogue about what the Chiefs are doing, what's going on in MLB, NBA, any of these any any sports that that interest you. I'm happy to talk about it. But all that being said, that that's kind of what's on the horizon for the podcast. And so, like I said, things are going to slow down a little bit come May, but it's going to be all right we're gonna we're gonna get through it together right so those are the plans now I know you've probably been waiting since my intro and I mentioned that the chiefs basically just locked up their dynasty on if there were any questions beforehand on whether or not they were a dynasty or if they were going to continue to be a dynasty the questions have been answered they've added the key piece to the puzzle that I believe will carry them into being the next great dynasty in the NFL because the Chiefs have signed backup quarterback Blaine Gabbert to a new ex- to a deal <laughs> all right formerly the, the backup of Tom Brady and more importantly former Missouri Tiger um, a, a stud drafted in, I believe in 2011 so he's just a, he's a seasoned veteran all right, he's been around the block. He's got a Super Bowl ring with the Buccaneers a few years ago. I mean, if you ask me, I mean, he was he was a quarterback on the team that beat the Chiefs. That, that's just the facts. That's just, those are the facts. He was a quarterback on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers roster that pummeled the Chiefs in the Super Bowl a couple years ago. Right? There's no way around it. That's just the reality. That's, that's the facts of what happened. Okay? So, we're the Chiefs have added that to the quarterback room. All right? Filling the role of Chad Henney, where the reality is he's he's been through just as much as Henney. He's played pretty close to the similar, you know, the same amount that Chad Henney had played throughout his career. Um, A guy who who knows what it means to be a backup, that he's been doing this for years, backing up that one guy who was in Tampa Bay for a while and played for the Patriots way before that. I'm blanking on his name. Number 12. You may know who I'm talking about, but he backed up that guy for a while. I'm sure he learned a lot of good lessons from TB12, and I'm sure he's got a lot of wisdom and experience from that, you know, and I can only imagine, you know, moving from Tom Brady to Patrick Mahomes of, like, not a not a, a bad horse to hitch the, the wagon to, right, to be like, man, I... Uh, so Blaine Gabbert seems to know what he's doing, and, and picked a great spot to come get another ring. So super pumped about that. In all reality, like yeah, of course he's not going to be playing. Um, but as we've seen, the the backup quarterback can be an important role. Like it is, it's it's more important than we re, than we realize because it's like, sure, Mahomes looks to Andy Reid for for guide for coaching for guidance on on what to expect on plays to run on what to be looking for. But the backup quarterback is also kind of another set of eyes, almost another offensive coordinator in a sense of, of some, of someone who's in that position and not looking at it just from a coach, but, but most, more, most likely also looking at it from, you know, perspective of if I were in the game, what would I be looking for? And, and so the, he, they're going to be on a similar mindset of what the coaches are, but there's also a different perspective that the backup quarterback brings. Um, and Patrick Mahomes, I think, does really well with, with these veteran-type backup quarterbacks who have been around the block, and they have wisdom of their own, and they're, they're basically like another coach in a way for Patrick Mahomes. And so I think it's a great addition for the Chiefs. I'm a big fan, you know, and, and I'm, I'm looking here and I'm seeing – Blaine Gabbert's career stats, you know, he he hasn't started a game since 2018 with the Titans, and his career record is 13-35, and he has 51 career touchdowns to 47 interceptions and a QBR of 30.5. So, his stats aren't overwhelming by any means, uh, but again, a guy that's been around the block, he uh, he's become a professional at at doing what he does and understanding the role of, of being a back quarterback and and knowing the importance of it. And a guy like that, who, you know, coming out of college, the the thing on him was like he he was a really good athlete. He had a, a rocket for an arm. He just wasn't a great decision maker. He, kinda kinda similar to Drew Locke in a way, of of a good enough athlete with a great arm who just decision making wasn't his his forte, his expertise, right? It's kind of the knock on him. And here we are, what, 12 years later after being drafted and all that time to mature and, and develop behind guys like Tom Brady and, and Patrick Mahomes. He's in a good spot. He's going to get to learn from Andy Reid as well. Um, so, again, I'm spending a lot of time talking about a backup quarterback, but I just get pumped um, being a, a Missouri guy, you know, and I I, I wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly believe the more Mizzou players you add to your roster, the better your team gets. Right? See Nick Bolton, you know. Um, so pumped about that. Good signing for the Chiefs. And who knows if if it's anything like we, we, it's been in the past, we uh, we we'll probably want to gear up to to see Blaine Gabbert head out there and run the offense for a drive or two. Come come the playoffs because we know that's what happens Mahomes he'll get a little a little dinged up here and there and you got to you got to go to your backup Chad Henne was a master at it and I have confidence Blaine Gabbert's going to do the same thing he's going to come in and and keep the ship afloat while Mahomes does whatever voodoo magic he learned how to do on how to just make an ankle high ankle sprain just disappear like it didn't happen you know so fun stuff coming out of KC and looking forward to Seeing Blaine Gabbert join the kingdom. It's a good time. It's a good time. So, moving on to this week in the MLB. Okay. We, uh... Man. Royals, not not going, gr- not going great. <laughs> not going great right now. They've lost... Gosh, I don't know. I mean, I don't... They're 4-14 and right now. They've lost like seven in a row. Something like that. They haven't, I mean they are just going through it right now and they're 1 and 11 at home <laughs> i mean yikes 1 and 11 at home and there's really no light at the end of the tunnel i don't foresee things getting much better as the season goes on for the royals um but that's what we've come to expect the ownership is more worried about putting a stadium downtown than they are about building a quality team and it's a bummer but it is what it is this is what other teams I'm sure in the NFL experience every year I mean I don't, I don't know it's kind of hard to relate at this point but yeah the Royals but but here's the thing actually you know I, I, that I find interesting as bad as they are at 4 and 14 1 and 11 at home I, I I really believe they're not even the worst team in the American League I think there's another team in the AL West that is actually right now by record they are worse, and I think is going to finish the year worse, which is the Oakland Athletics. And yeah, when I tell you things in Oakland are just really bad, <laughs> like they have they have the Warriors, I guess, which which is good. Like they they've been able to enjoy that, and they had the Giants in the early 2010s, so they, they've 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 seen success, you know, relatively recently just in, ter- in, in teams in that area, but right now things are bad. Of course, we know they just lost the Raiders, who they were already bad before they left forever. Like, they hadn't, I mean, I guess they had the, te- the team in 2002, the Super Bowl team, made it to the Super Bowl. But since then, I'm like, I, I think the Raiders have been in the playoffs, like, what, once? Once or twice? Something like that. And the, the Athletics, same thing. Like, they've been in the playoffs a couple times here and there, but haven't done anything relevant. Right. Remember the. Of course, we were, we remember the 2014 wild card game, the unbelievable game, the walk off down the third base line from Salvador Perez, just past the outstretched glove of Josh Donaldson. Man, what a time! But as for Oakland, man, they so they're three and 15. The the only team with the worst record right now than the Royals, and I I saw something yesterday that I think is kind of hilarious that. I mean their attendance this season has been just atrocious. Like fans are not coming to the game. And I, I saw something that was I, I like it's just a rumor. I don't know if it's it's really true or not. You don't know you can believe everything you see on the internet. But the the Athletics are there there's word that they may be planning a reverse boycott. And meaning like the fans are planning on actually going to the game and selling out the stadium just to prove to the ownership that it's not their fault that the team is bad. Like can you believe that? <laughs> I mean that there's so many different levels of things just going very poorly here. Number 1, the the ownership seems you know fully set on just allowing the team to be terrible and hoping they they find a generational talent to to turn the organization around, you know, which, as we've seen with the Angels, that doesn't really – you can have all the generational talent you want on one team. That doesn't really translate to winning, right? Mike Trout, Shohei Otani on the same team, yet they still don't make the playoffs. Uh, and so I'm not – again, I don't know what's going on in Oakland with that ownership. But but I, from what I hear from fans and what I've seen on, on the Internet uh, of fans talking of, of like, the ownership – Feels like the team doesn't do as well because the fans don't show up to support the team, you know. Which that just I don't know. I can't really. I don't really buy into that at all. I'm like at the end of the day, if the players are are better, they're gonna win. Like if you have a good team, they're gonna win more games, whether or not fans are coming. And so, I just find it kind of hysterical, um, tough for Oakland fans, you know, but it is what it is it, it's just it, again though it's kind of funny the, the fact that the the fans are going to try to protest the owners and they're going to try to prove a point by actually going to the game and saying hey look it's not our fault the team's still garbage <laughs> oh man what a what a time to be alive in oakland man what a time but yeah so that that's uh that's kind of the bottom of of the MLB the the bottom feeders right now, the teams that are, feels like they're in an endless cycle of just mediocrity, I don't even know if mediocrity is the right word, they, they probably wish they were mediocre, they're not even that, they're just bad, um, but that is the world that we live in with the the payroll, you know, structure of the MLB, where teams like the Yankees and the Dodgers and, you know, big market teams like that, they're, it's much easier for them to be good because of the payroll and the way it works in the MLB as opposed to the small market teams where sustained success is just much more difficult. And so, you know, I don't think I see that really changing a whole lot anytime soon, unless the, the league decides to really switch things up with the way the payroll works and the salary cap based, just based on being the market size of the team and the city they're in, their location. But, As it is, the Royals and the Athletics competing to see who can be the worst. We shall see. Um, Now with some more positive stuff from the MLB. Um, First, I'm going to go through the division standings really quick, give an update on who's leading, what the division races are looking like. I know it's only a couple weeks in, but it's still fun to, to keep up with who is where. So in the AL East, you've got the Rays. Obviously, remember we talked about them last week. They were they'd out undefeated. They have since lost, but they are leading the American League East, um, which right now looks like the best division in baseball. Okay, the Rays are 15 and three in first place, but the the Red Sox are at are 500. They're they're nine and nine, right? They're only six games back in last place. Like that that's the worst team in the division right now is at 500. Um, and then you flip that on, you know, you flip that over, and you have the AL Central. Where the, the team in first place is ten and seven and the team in second place is five hundred. And then you, you you scroll to the bottom and you got the royals at four and fourteen. So the central might be the worst division of baseball. And we'll see about that. But the Twins are in first place there. Uh, looking at the AL West, right now the Rangers are in first at eleven and six. I don't necessarily expect that to to stick, to stay forever, because they I mean two of their their series have been against the Royals somehow. And so, of course, they're just getting free wins handed to them. So, you know, good for them to to capitalize on the the opportunity that they have to get out to an early lead by playing a team like the Royals. Um, but yeah, Rangers are in first, and of course, the A's are in last place at three and fifteen. Over in the National League, the Atlanta Braves are another team benef- that have benefited from playing the Royals. Are they're fourteen and four and just stomped the Royals a couple times earlier this week. Or over the weekend, and they are looking very good right now. Uh, Won eight in a row, in fact, and yeah. So the Braves are fourteen and four. Mets are eleven and seven, not far behind. Miami also looks decent, ten and eight. And then Washington and Philadelphia at the bottom. Washington five and twelve. Another team could be in competition for the worst team in baseball, especially in that division with a lot of a lot of tough teams that they're going to be playing a lot. Uh, The NL Central. Right now, the Brewers are out to a great start. Um, 13 5, you know, doing really well. Cubs are also looking good at 10 6 so far. Pirates and then Reds and Cardinals down at 7 10 and 7 11, respectively. Um, I'll be honest, as a Royals fan, as a Kansas City native, it is kind of nice to see the Cardinals at the bottom of the division. You know, it's a little bit like as a Missouri fan, I'm just always going to root against Kansas. It's kind of the same thing as a, as a Royals fan. I'm always going to root against the Cardinals. That's just that's just how this is how this it, is what it is. It's just how it works for me. And so I no, I don't know if I expect that to last. They just have too much talent on their team. I don't expect them to stay in last place, but they are there right now, and I will enjoy it while I can. Um, and then out west, I think maybe the biggest surprise in the MLB so far is Arizona in first place in, in that division with a couple of really big. Uh, you know, loaded rosters like the Dodgers and the Padres, um, who are in second, and third place respectively, and then the Giants and the Rockies, who are both off to pretty rough starts um, at five and eleven and five and thirteen. But, like I said, the Arizona Diamondbacks at eleven and seven, um, maybe the most surprising start of any MLB team this season at eleven and seven. So, that is a quick little overview of what the standings look like right now. Um, and tune in next week to see what's changed um, with the standings. But one other thing in the MLB I wanted to mention, or a, a couple other things I should say, is I kind of want to start pointing out a, a few highlights of in terms of players who had big games. Right? I can't exactly do web gems given this isn't a video podcast. You know, it's not. There's nothing visual. It's, it's just all all audio. So it it kind of be pointless to to. Talk about web gems or some of the best defensive plays of the week, um, and maybe sometime in the future we'll move to a video podcast. Who knows? But for for right now, you know it doesn't really make sense to do that. And so I think here I want to this is the, this is my plan moving forward in terms of pointing out some of the in, some highlights of individual performances throughout the week. As you all know, I I'm a big video game guy, and especially sports video games. And so MLB the Show is a video game that I'm really into right now. And one thing I love about MLB The Show is they they update the game daily with player attributes based on the the matchups they have that day. Right? So for example, if Jacob deGrom, Texas Rangers pitcher, if he were playing against the Royals and let's say the, I, this is not true, but let's just assume for the example that if Bobby Witt Jr. And in his career, had a really good batting average against Jacob Degrom over his career. Then, for for Bobby Witt, his his player in game would get a boost for like for example, to his contact and his power against right-handed pitchers. Okay, it might go up by five, six, seven points against for contact and power. And so, and they do that for every single player based on, you know how that player matched up against other players. So uh, on the flip side, if Bobby Wood Jr. had a bad career average against Jacob deGrom in the past and they were facing Jacob deGrom that night, he might lose contact and power, which I think is probably much more likely uh, that he would lose uh, contact and power against right-handed pitching uh, just for that single day. And it's, it's the inside edge boost is, basically, is is what they call it. And I, and I really enjoy it because they do it for... Basically, every player that that's slated to start that day, um, and so pitchers might get a boost if they've had success against you know the players in that lineup, or hitters might get a boost if they have had success against that pitcher or or other people like that pitcher. You know, if it's like a hard-throwing right-hander or a, uh, a finesse lefty, things like that, like specific types, um, and so they they give these boosts ba- based on every single day, what the daily matchups look like. And so those are fun to keep up with. But something else they've started doing this year as well is they basically take that to the next level and give supercharges to players who had huge games. And what the supercharge means is that the players' hitting attributes basically get get boosted to 99 overall, or even better than 99, because in MLB The Show, actually, the, the hitting stats can act, can go all the way up to 125. So you know, typically in video games the stats go up to ninety nine, but in MLB the Show your your contact and power can go all the way up to one twenty five. So, for example, like Francisco Lindor, right now, he is a player that for five days in game is supercharged, meaning he's he's up to a ninety nine overall, um, and this is because on on Friday he hit a grand slam and had seven RBIs total in the in the win for the Mets. Okay. And so his hitting attributes are just through the roof right now. They've shot up like, I don't know the exact number, but a very big amount to the point his contact and power versus right and left are all over 100, which is just very uncommon for for a live series player in the game, okay? And so that's what I want to do is I want to point out the specific players who have been supercharged, by MLB The Show to, to to point that they've become a 99 overall temporarily in-game just to kind of to give them a shout-out for their great performance in-game. Okay, so like I said, Francisco Lindor of the Mets hit the Grand Slam with seven RBIs on, in, the, in the win on Friday. Um, the next one's Bo Bichette, shortstop for the Blue Jays. Um, also on Friday, he had five hits, including career hit number 500, um, to give the Rays their first loss of the season, so a lot of, a lot of big things going on in that game for Bo Bichette, and he got the supercharge. Uh, Garrett Cole, pitcher for the Yankees, he right now he looks like an early favorite to win Cy Young, uh, through a complete game shutout with 10 strikeouts in the win on Saturday against the Twins, I believe, and just a dominant performance really. Um, Two more, Cody Bellinger for the Cubs also had five hits and a 10-1 victory on Monday. So a big game from Bellinger. And, you know, of course, no longer with the Dodgers. Now with the Cubs, part of their good start. And then lastly, Taylor Walls for the right, uh, the Rays, who had 12 total bases and a 10-0 victory yesterday. So 12 total bases is, a again, a really good game. And so those five players are currently supercharged in MLB The Show, meaning they are temporarily 99 overall um, because their hitting stats, or in Garrett Cole's case, his pitching stats, have been boosted just a crazy amount to get them up to a 99. Um, you know, so we can use those players and celebrate their big performances. So that's something I want to do each week, because I'm going to point out the specific players that MLB The Show has supercharged. Um, just to kind of shout out some of the the best performances of the week in in our this week in the MLB segment of the podcast, and that does indeed wrap up this week in the MLB. And with that being said, we've talked about the NFL, we've talked about the MLB, and for the other relevant sport in America, um, the NBA. <laughs> Hope I didn't step on any toes there. Let me back up for a second. I really do enjoy soccer, okay? I know it's not the biggest sport in America right now, but the World Cup is a lot of fun, and sporting KC games are also a lot of fun, you know, like MLS games. Um, I know the level of action is not quite what it is in, you know, the English Premier League or the La Liga, anything like that, but I do believe soccer is growing in America, and Hopefully, by the World Cup in 2026, which, by the way, Kansas City, a host city of that, a lot of fun. And I'm hoping by, by 2026 the, that soccer has continued to grow and will be among the three major sports in America basketball, baseball, and football. Because if you ask me, those are the other major sports. And I purposely did not include hockey, which is not a major sport. And I'll die on that hill because there's no ball. If there's no ball, it's not a sport, period. Anyway, moving on to the NBA, a quick little note on the playoffs. I've really been enjoying them so far. Like That's typically how it goes for me. I won't watch a whole lot during the regular season for a lot of reasons, which I'm going to dive into here in a little bit, but the playoffs, however, have been a lot of fun and Number one, the Kings and Warriors have been a very fun series so far. Uh, the Kings are up two zero, but that the game one was a great game uh, in Sacramento. It, you know that crowd that hasn't really the Kings haven't won a playoff game in like seventeen years or something like that since the days of Peja and Chris Webber, right? That that group back in the day, and and so it's it's fun to see a town like that, a team like that that hasn't had success in a while, have success. And they get to light the beam, which is fun, and and good for everyone else. That's not a Warriors fan to finally see the Warriors lose, you know, right? So, not only was it a good game, but the right outcome happened, and hopefully the the Kings are able to keep lighting the beam, and move on. Um, other things going on: the Giannis hurt his back, I believe it was his back in Game One, and so he's unlight or he's not. I think he's questionable right now. I've seen he's not likely to play in game two against the heat. It's possible uh he's gonna be out for that one and the heat actually came in one game one and that with that you know if the heat come in and win game two in Milwaukee and they go up to they they go back to Miami with the two o lead I think we could be you know we could be in a spot where the the Bucks are in real danger of of losing round one, which would be a big bummer for them as a one seed for sure. But that's, it's very much on the table right now. Um, other things, the Lakers got out to a, a, a 1-0 lead against the Grizzlies. They play again tonight. And honestly, I think there's at this point, there's no shot the Grizzlies come back to win the series. That The fact that the Lakers have already gone on the road. Um, LeBron has lost, I believe, two playoff series in his career when he won game one. All right, he, he's like something along the lines of 12 and 9. I I'd have to go back and double check this. I heard this from Nick Wright earlier this week, but I think he's he's tw- in his career, he's something like 12 and 9 in a series when he loses Game 1, and something like 27 and 2 when he wins Game 1. Um, and so, not good news for the Grizzlies because he is 1 and 0. I say he, I mean, the Lakers are 1 and 0, and the, the The role players are really starting to figure things out, and LeBron didn't even have to do all that much in game one, and they still won relatively easily. And so if LeBron turns into, you know, if he flips the switch into playoff Bron, and AD keeps doing what he's doing, um, playing like a defensive player of the year type of player, along with, you know, Austin Reeves and Rihachimura turning into be great role role players, I mean, Lakers are, are scary, truly. So, that being said, there's there's, you know, eight yeah, eight different series going on right now. And I'm not going to dive deep into every single one, but I do want to give you my prediction on what I think the finals is going to be. Based on the way the teams are playing right now and the talent and, and what's going on, I think the Lakers are going to beat the Celtics in the NBA finals, right? I think we're going to get a throwback to you know, you can look at the 2008 finals, but really the 80s i mean just some classic you know a a classic time a classic rivalry in nba history of lakers celtics and and there's actually i believe even some back in the 60s too um, kind of where the rivalry first got going but then it really hit it hit its stride in in the 80s with of course magic and bird and so i think we're going to get a repeat of that here this year where the celtics right now look really good they uh, they have an easy they're kind of breezing through round 1 against the Hawks who were just happy to be there um where Giannis and the Bucks right like I said Giannis is not going to be 100% for a while it looks like um the only other main competition I see coming out of the east would be the Sixers and I think Joel Embiid is he's going to win MVP or he should um and the the, the problem though is James Harden like, they need him to be a great player, and we've seen playoff James Harden with that. You know, we've seen playoff Harden before, and so until I see him overcome that, I just don't, I don't know. I don't see it. Uh, I I feel better about the Celtics than I do any other team in the East. Uh, and then again, in terms of the West, I think, it, I think it's shaping up to be a Lakers-Suns Western Conference Finals, which could be a lot of fun. Um... And, you know, LeBron versus Durant. And I think that right now the Suns are probably better at the top, but they don't have very much depth at all. It's going to be all up to Durant and Devin Booker to really to really carry the load. Um, and I'm also going to throw a Landry Shaman in there because for those of you who don't know, I played baseball together with Landry Shaman. We were on the, on the same baseball team growing up. And so that's my guy. Um, Landry, if you're listening you are a great option number three, great sixth man for the Suns, and I'm rooting for you. However, that being said, I still, I don't know, it's hard for me to pick against LeBron, truly, uh, and AD, and the way they're playing right now, and I'm kind of hoping that that's the series we see in the Western Conference Finals. Um, I mean, vintage LeBron versus versus KD matchup, how many more times are we going to get to see that before the players kind of, you know, I know LeBron's never going to get old, and he's never going to age, but Durant is on the tail end of his prime so it's only a matter of time before he starts to fall off and so you know with father time approaching to to take Kevin Durant from us soon um, that sounded dark I mean to take us from his prime I should say to take Kevin Durant from his basketball prime those days are not too far ahead of us so I would love to see a one more you know full LeBron versus KD matchup in the Western Conference Finals it'll be a lot of fun and I do think if that happens, I still like the Lakers to win. Uh, but again, a lot can happen between now and then. But I just wanted to put on record right now my my prediction: Lakers over the Celtics in the NBA Finals. Okay. Moving on now to a, a few some other th- stuff that's going on in the NBA. Where, like for me, like I I can still enjoy the NBA playoffs and. And talk about and, you know, keep up with what's going on and, and enjoy it. Obviously, like I just talked about for a few minutes. But I, I think there is just a growing, uh, what's the right word? I mean, I don't know. There, people are just more more and more every day and every year, people are just losing interest in the NBA for a couple of reasons. And while some people like to suggest that it's players becoming best friends with each other. And they're all buddy buddy. There, there's no real rivalries. I don't think that's the case. I don't think it has anything to do with that. I think if you the players, if you watch the games in the playoffs, they don't like each other. The players and the other teams, like, sure, they may be friends outside, but I mean, we just saw Draymond Green stomp on a guy's chest, right? Because he, because Demonte Sabonis grabbed his leg, and so Draymond, oh, what should I do? I should stomp on his chest, and he got suspended, right? I mean we, we know the players don't like each other like when they when they're playing against each other they they're not all just because they don't fist fight every 15 minutes like they did in the 80s and 90s it doesn't mean they're they're all best friends okay all it is now is there's more rules in place to protect against that because that's there's no need for that however again like I said I don't think that's the the reason people are leaving I think the biggest thing really is the load management stuff that's going on in the league right now. And the reality is there are, I mean, it's a big problem in the regular season and, and it's why it's hard to follow. But the fact of the matter is that the stars in the NBA, the NBA's the best players in the NBA are playing way less, right? To, to see a player play 82 games now these days is almost unheard of, okay? Like, I mean, and a lot of the players like like Kawhi Leonard does not play back to backs. Uh, Anthony Davis played a couple back-to-backs this year he's like 29 or 30 years old and he barely played any back-to-backs this year which if you're not familiar back-to-back just means the game in consecutive days and so on that the second day of a back-to-back you're typically more tired because you played a a whole game the night before which is just part of the the nature of or part of part of your job when you play the nba right is to play the games like that you know it's a full-time job it's a full-time commitment um that that is not easy on your body sure i understand that but why don't we take a step back and look at what these players are making look at their contracts i mean the even role players are making 10-15 million dollars a year right and may, maybe it's easy for me sitting at this from you know sitting here in my living room um, but I'm like, if I were making that kind of, that much money, I feel like I'd be pretty happily investing. I, I'd be much more willing to invest that type of, you know, I, I, don't, I don't Again, I don't know the right word Do that type of, um, grit and grind of an NBA season of, yeah, I'm going to play. I'm going to go, I'm going to go play this game for a couple hours every night. Now I know they have practices and things like that. And, and it is a it takes a toll on your body. I understand that, but that's what they're paid to do. They're paid millions of dollars to do that, and so it's frustrating as you know for fans to just this load management thing that that is increasingly more prevalent in the NBA, and it's and I think it's actually spreading to other sports as well. You know, we see now pitchers in the MLB, for example. You know, they'll make it to the fifth or sixth inning, and they have a they have a no hitter going, and but they're at 95 pitches, so they get taken out, and it's like, I don't know. It's it's frustrating. It's it's taking away from the quality of the game, the qual like the product that we invest in, you know. It's just not as good, and I think that's the biggest issue with the NBA right now. Is you can have, I mean, I can, you know, I, I mentioned this a month like last month when we went to the NBA game. We went to the Grizzlies and Mavericks game and we we bought the tickets a month before that and we found out a couple days before the game that two of the three stars of the game weren't going to be playing in it. And because of that like we can't rely on the star players to to be playing every night and there's no you know there's no accountability in place or incentive for that to not happen because the if a player wakes up one day feeling like oh, I'm kind of tired, I, I kind of want to just sit out today. There's nothing. There's no system in place to to guard against that, and they can kind of just do that how, how much, at, at, at free will. And it is bad for the game. It's bad for the league. And at, at this rate, I mean, the way it's going right now, it it's only going to get worse because the 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 just the analytics and everything going on in the game that. The team doctors are also part of it, and they're going to decide, hey, you're better off taking a couple extra losses throughout the year just to make sure your star players are a little bit more well-rested for the playoffs. And I get that's what it's all about. It's about the playoffs. Um, but at the end of the day, it's also a business, and it's an entertainment business, and the fans are displeased because of some of the things that are going on, myself included, when it's like, man, I, I bought tickets, spent $150 on tickets and parking a month in advance because I want to see these these guys play, yet they're they've decided you know three hours before the game that they're going to rest, you know, and that is just way too common of a thing and it is not good for the league. So I don't know what the NBA needs to do. Whether that is take games away, like maybe shorten the the length of the regular season, so there there are less games and the games matter more. Um, or maybe just a penalty if they if they deem that the player is not actually injured, okay? And I, I don't know, but I, I think of this example that of something that went on a couple weeks ago. It may have just been last week actually, where Zion Williamson, right, this transcendent talent out of Duke, is the star player for the Pelicans who are in the play-in game, and now Zion has not played since like the first week of January. Like he has not played in months. Um, so he's been off for a while with a a legitimate injury, but this week before the game started, he, he was talking to the media and said, he feels physically fine now. He said, basically he he's physically ready to play right now, but he mentioned, he basically went on to say like, I'm not mentally right and and able to play. And on one hand, I'm like, "Uh, of course, it's important that the player's you know mental health is a very real thing obviously and we want the players to be in a a good place um and so it's not i'm never it's never going to be my place to sit here and be like you, know, you just need to get over it like that's not what I'm that's not what I'm saying um but on the other side of looking at like man he he came out and said i'm in a i'm in a physically good place to play right now and we are in a play in game it's a win or go home game tonight and he and and he's even in pregame warmups, in lines doing like 360 windmill dunks, like he looks physically fine, yet he's talking about he's like not in a good mental place to play. On one hand, you can look at that and say if he's physically able to play in a in a, a do or die game, a game that you have to win or your season's done, he should be playing, and I I understand that argument, um, but I think the reality is there's a bigger a bigger issue going on. Is like why is Zion Williamson like um, what what is what's going on with him? Why is he mentally not in a good place? Like, of all the resources the NBA has um, at their disposal to be able to offer that, you know, why is why is he in such a bad place that he's not even able to suit up for one game in a a do or die scenario type of game? And it's it's not just a one off thing with Zion. If you look, if you go back and look at a lot of the recent number one overall picks, they've a lot of them have gone through mental things like this, like Ben Simmons went through a big mental, um, mental health thing for a while of, of under the pressure of people just grilling him because he couldn't shoot kind of the same thing with Markel Fultz back in, I think he was 2016 first overall, but something around, something around those lines, kind of the same thing. He he just did not have a great jump shot and and was getting grilled for and under the pressure of being a number one overall pick. And and you kind of start to see a pattern here of these number one overall picks who are kind of cracking under the pressure, not to say it's their fault, but they, there's so much pressure on them from the NBA and from the world, from media, from fans, to perform and, and be the savior to that team's organization. And it, it's, it's a lot, even though they're making, you know millions of dollars, they've got all these uh, these sponsorship deals. It's they're still missing something. It feels like it's like they're they they get to the NBA. They've worked their whole life for it, and they get there, and it's like they are mentally unhappy, even though they have everything they've ever worked for, right? And so, I don't know what the answer is for the NBA, but I I mean I'm hoping they're able to you know piece together and and recognize the pattern of what's going on and say, hey, these players are are struggling with mental health, and and we have this budding superstar in Zion Williamson who opted not to play because he's not mentally right in, in a win or go home scenario. You know, it's not like a, a game in December that is kind of meaningless. It's a, it was, it's the playoffs. It's win or go home. And he decided not to play because of where he's at mentally. And so again, I don't know what the answer is, but you know, I, I, not a not a great spot for the nba um and i think just a big picture too of of the load management like man what is it is it really all like are the players actually you know are they are they healthy are they not are they, like is, is it mental are they physically is it their body is it the team doctor telling them is it the analytics the gm or is it the coach i don't know but I hope they can figure something out because it, at this pace, at this rate, it is going to continue to hurt the NBA, truly. And then, because the reality is, th- the stars are playing way less, um, but they're they're still hurt just as much. It feels it kind of feels that way because you know you have these star players that are sitting out, you know, participating in load management, yet they still go in, they, like they still go in and get hurt anyway, you know. So I don't know. It's a bummer, um, but hopefully they, they can figure something out and hopefully the the playoffs continue to stay entertaining because, like I said, I've really enjoyed the, the, the playoffs so far. They've been good and they've been fun and it is fun to, you know, in these games, you, you know, like the players that are healthy, they're going to be playing um, and they're going to be giving their all because, you know, like, like we've been saying, it's do or die, it's win or go home. So that being said, moving on. To the office quote of the week. The segment many of you come here for, the only segment you hear, you're here for. And the quote this week comes from Michael while we're on the topic of basketball and he says, "Who am I? Am I Michael Scott? I don't know. I might just be a basketball machine." Right? And I and I, and I felt that. I I big time, I felt that. Sometimes I watch, I sit here in my living room judging these NBA players on on how they're playing the game. I'm like, "Oh, come on. You can do better than that. Come on." Yet I, you know, I go to my local church and play with high schoolers and and I get tired after running up and down the court 3 times. You know, I can still hit a three here and there, but I'm always the one suggesting we play half court cuz I'll get tired cuz I'm out of shape. Yet here I am yelling at the NBA players to be better. So that is the world we live in, isn't it? Lot of lots of fun. So anyway, guys, that is gonna do it for today's episode for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed. Um, again, I want to invite you to let me know if there if there's a uh, something else in the world of sports that you want to hear about that you want to hear me talk about. Let me know. And if uh, yeah, if you got something on your mind, something you want to hear more about, you want to hear my my opinion on it. Let me know because um, I would love to. You know, man of the people. I want you to hear what you want to hear about. Right? I want to bring you the best content I can. So, that's going to do it for today. I hope you've enjoyed. And we'll see you next time. Go Chiefs.